0: Welcome to the 105th episode of the week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Antner. How are you doing, Roger? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. So, Roger, there's been a lot of news recently about satellite technology interacting with mobile phones. And here to talk with us about that is Peter Risavi, president of Ricevi Research. Peter, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I listen to your show regularly,
0: and I always learn a lot. Excellent. So, Peter, set us up here. Both Apple and Starlink have made announcements recently about satellite connectivity for phones. How does this technology work today, and how can we expect it to work in the future?
1: The significance of these announcements is that these are services that will allow, for the first time, 5G or mobile phones to communicate directly with satellites. In the past, you could connect with LEO satellites, low earth orbiting satellites, but you need specialized hardware.
2: Yeah, so I think one of the big differences is like, the existing devices all have like these stub antennas of various sizes, right? Hanging out out of the device. An Apple is certainly not a company that would make an iPhone with, with an appendix. So how are they doing it that they can integrate the antenna into the form factor of the phone? And the phone just looks like every normal phone.
1: Exactly. Well... <laughs> It's actually a very difficult problem. As one person that I talked to recently about this, who's a specialist in this area, he said, well, the investments have changed, the technology has changed, and there are many, many more satellites, but what has not changed is the laws of physics. It is fundamentally an extremely difficult problem to get a signal from a handheld device into space. Doing it from a phone with an integrated antenna is extremely challenging. And even with the Apple solution, even though they've done uh, some magic inside the phone to make this possible, it still is a very slow connection. It still takes multiple minutes for a message to get out. The user has to hold the phone in a very specific way. cannot be, or if there are any obstructions such as trees or whatever, it'll take a lot longer for the message to get out. So they've made it possible, but the problem is a very difficult one.
2: Yeah, so I thought it was very important uh, with the Apple announcement that it was like for emergency services in rural parts of the country and that it takes a while right? It's like a very compressed message. And I'm not sure if they can do it both ways, right? But the the, the data throughput is very low at this time.
1: Exactly. And that's what you get
2: when you have a very poor signal
1: and you sacrifice throughput. If you compare that with a Starlink dish antenna, that has something like a 43 dBi gain That's decibels relative to isotropic radiation. And that is a signal that is 10,000 times stronger than just an isotropic, meaning an all-directions transmission. A handheld phone is almost an isotropic radiator. So you're talking about an antenna that is extremely weak, but the consequence of that is extremely low throughputs. The way I think about satellite is it's always been a niche area and an available terrestrial connection is always going to be better than a satellite connection. On the other hand, a satellite connection can be much, much better than nothing.
2: Yeah. So what do you think, when we switch to, to the T-Mobile Starlink announcement, they were talking about like two to four megabits per sector, which may be a lot if you're the only one. but It may be nothing if, you know, 10 or 20 people in that sector, and those sectors are huge, are accessing it the same way. That's why I looked at, like, the Starlink announcement, more like a vision statement than a product announcement, right? Exactly. As Don likes to point out, it it needs a new satellite that hasn't been built yet on a new rocket that hasn't been launched yet with... Regular regulatory permissioning that hasn't been granted yet. That is correct. And the
1: Starlink uh, Generation 2 satellite that will be used for this purpose, it has an antenna that's 269 square feet, and that's significantly bigger than the current generation of satellites. That larger antenna will allow it to receive that very weak signal from a handheld device We should also consider that there's another company in this area called AST Space Mobile that is a well-funded startup, and it has deals with AT&T and other operators to offer the same service. The AST Space Mobile satellite, in comparison to a Starlink satellite, has an antenna size of 693 square feet. I mean, it's huge, right? So it should offer much better performance than the Starlink satellite. I think what we're going to see is an evolution of the technology. But Roger, I'd like to go back to what you said, emergency services only. What really is the market for that? I did see that Northern Sky Research said that there was a $60 billion opportunity in revenue over the next decade, and they ex- projected 350 million subs by 2030 but do you think people just want emergency services or do they want a little more because some of the existing services such as the Garmin inReach that uses the Iridium network it's used primarily for emergencies but people can still send text messages to their family and say oh having a great time backpacking everything is fine is just emergency services enough? And I don't really have a good sense of that, but I'm curious what your thoughts are.
2: Well, I thought it was very indicative of, you know, that there were regulatory filings of Global Star that Apple pays them around $100 million, a little bit more. It's not something that's sustainable. Of course, people want to have universal connectivity, right? But universal connectivity in deserts, on mountaintops, and all of these things, by definition, are very... They're not a lot of people, right? Rural America is rural because not a lot of people live there. Otherwise, it would be urban. The same way deserts are deserts because they're deserted. And that kind of limits the amount of money. Communications, especially wireless communication thrives on population density. It's not a very successful thing.
1: Exactly. And I read that only 1% of people today are outside the coverage of a terrestrial network, or at least maybe in the United States. So that does make it a very small market.
2: It makes it a very small market. I, I always look at it. It's, it's one of those theoretical freedoms, Right. And I always say this country is big about theoretical freedoms, not, not necessarily real freedoms. And here you have the freedom to call 911 in very few cases. And most of us will never be in the case where there is no coverage for it. And, you know, people are always like, oh, how about Iridium? How do they do it? Well, when you look at Iridium and the business case, right? the cost for operating the network is paid for by the Department of Defense because that's the network that they use for our military and special forces in really remote areas around the globe where, you know, they can't use the normal terrestrial network because maybe the host country doesn't want them there. And so... All with like Iridium, every commercial customer's upside, right? Because the cost is taken care of. We don't have that necessarily with Global Star. And will it save lives? What, what Apple is doing here? Absolutely, it will save lives. But it will also drive rescue services nuts because people have now, and, and cell phones have brought that have climbed up mountains and then they're at the top of the mountains and they can't get down and then they call for rescue, right?
1: Exactly. Well, actually, I'm one of those people that goes out into the wilderness. In fact, I'm going to be in the wilderness next week for five days and I wouldn't mind having this service. One thing I'll say, though, about Apple is that they don't normally do anything until they really think it through on an end-to-end basis. And I've A couple of examples of that, well, we probably point to many, but I was involved with touchscreen technology decades before it became really popular. And in fact, you could argue that it was the original iPhone in 2007 that really brought touch technology to the masses, and that's because they integrated it with all other kinds of innovations. In this case, it's more than the iPhone 14 just communicating to a satellite, it's also Ground services and people on the ground that receive these calls interact with the person and then know how to communicate with the local emergency services. So, Apple is really developing this on an end to end basis. So, maybe it's just an initial step as the satellites get better, as antennas within its phones get better, and maybe you'll be able to have a little foldable antenna that only weighs a few ounces that you bring along on these trips and maybe that improves the gain and suddenly you can get better throughputs so my bottom line on this is that it's a it is a small another small step for satellite communications for the masses but it does seem like this technology will improve over time and maybe there is eventually a big market for this
2: well, I, I hope so. And, you know, with bigger antennas and bigger satellites, you have more capabilities because, yeah, the physics haven't changed. And so it's it's interesting, you know, something has to give when it comes to physics. And here it is, seems to be speed at this time. And with Starlink and AST, it will be antenna size that, that will give. But then that, that increases the cost of, putting the antennas in space we will we might have more space debris right the antennas might come down more quickly because it's a higher higher weight because the leo the L- low earth orbit antenna satellites they all have a limited shelf life because they all burn up at one point in time
1: we should also mention that 3GPP in its standardization efforts has been addressing this area and release 17 coming out this year with products like two years behind us or I should say ahead of us will result in standards-based solution and 3GPP doesn't call it satellite, they call it it non-terrestrial networks because it's support for not only satellites but also what are called high-altitude platform systems, such as solar-powered planes that can be up at 60,000 feet, say, and stay up there for a month at a time. The consequence of these standards is that, I, that there will be better interoperability between systems. There'll be more seamless handoff from terrestrial to satellite systems. It means mainstream chip vendors will be supporting the technology. So I think it will assist with global economies of scale for this technology. And it's not just the U.S. Huawei and China just announced a phone that communicates with the Chinese satellite system. So it does seem like there is some an overall momentum in this direction, which I think ultimately will result in lower costs and more effective solutions.
0: Awesome, I think that's a great place to stop it. Peter, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you, Peter, for coming. You're welcome. I was just speaking with you.